Great. Well, it's uh, good to be together. I'm going to share from the Word this morning. If you've got your Bibles, uh, turn with me to uh, Joshua chapter 1. And uh, I'm just really uh, kind of uh, excited. I believe I want to say something. It's in- interesting that uh, um, one of the things that was on Martin's uh, slide was that God did more than we could ask or imagine. And I want to talk a little bit around that whole theme this morning of God wanting to do more than you can imagine, uh, of God wanting to do more in your life and in your context and your situation than perhaps you think about. And so I just want to read from Joshua chapter 1, and then we're going to get into the the, the scriptures together. Verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, now then, now then, now then, now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. Amen. I love this story. What an amazing picture this is. Moses is dead and Joshua has come into his place. And uh, even though the promise was previously to Moses, the promises of God still stand. And uh, so the promise still comes to Joshua. I'm going to lead you into the promised land. I'm going to bring you in to something fresh and something new in our lives. And uh, for me, this is just such a great picture of what it means to follow Jesus. There's everything in this, this chapter, in these few verses, they, they contain the great themes of the Christian faith revelation when God comes and speaks and says something into our hearts that we have to respond to. Talks about faith, responding and saying, yes, Lord, my soul says yes. We were just listening to that in the music. My soul says yes to what you want to do and what you want to achieve in my life. Destiny, that God has a plan for us that we can step into and take hold of. It talks about God's provision of our lives, how God will be with us. It talks about learning to overcome in everything. I don't know, but every time I read it, I get excited that God has a plan for my life. How about you? I get excited that God hasn't finished with me yet. I get excited that God might just be wanting to work in me and through me to achieve his purpose. And I just think, come on, Lord, let's see what you can do through me. And so I want to try and unpack this morning uh, just something that is just the Lord's dropped into my heart. You know, we've read this passage and we've preached on it loads over the years. I'm sure if you've been in church a long time, but I just think I've got something fresh to say to you this morning. You ready? First of all, God has more for you than you think he has. I love this little verse. It says here in chapter 1, verse 4, your territory will extend. There's a little word for somebody. Your territory will extend. I don't know about you, but you know, God just doesn't have a little bit for you. He has an extensive territory for you. You know, one of the amazing themes in the Bible you read it about is the Lord has brought me into a spacious place, into a place of abundance, into a place of blessing, into a place of provision. And God comes to the people of Israel. They're hemmed in on the Jordan River. There's a million and a half of them. That's quite a lot. And they're looking across the Jordan into the, into the, the land. And God says, I have an extensive territory for you. And he says, listen, it's not just a little piece of land we're entering into. It's not just a little place of safety. Very often we'll, want, we'll settle for safety, but God wants to give us an extensive provision. 
He wants to give us more than that. And he says, listen, I want you to go. I want you to see it goes from the Euphrates all the way to the Mediterranean. Wow, that's something, isn't it? He says, I've got a big land for you. I've got a land I want you to inhabit. I've got promises for you to step into. I've got a vision of what I want my people to live in. And I want you to step into it. I've got more than you can ask or imagine. See, that's the heart of God. God looks at our lives and he says, I can do more through you than you can possibly understand if you'll trust me. I can take you from where you are and I can use you and bless you and increase you and make you what I want you to be so that you can fulfill the purposes of God. You remember the story of when God came to Abraham, Abraham and Sarah who were barren in life, who had never had a child, who were in the hundredth year Abraham was and God took him out into the uh, out from his tent and said look up to the stars in the sky and he said if you could count them that will be your offspring. Wow, isn't that great? He didn't just show him the palm trees over there and say, you see those three trees? They're going to be your offspring. Abraham would have settled for that, by the way. Because when you're barren, anything looks good. But God took him out and said, no, Abraham, come out of your tent. Stop trying to see something that's unseeable. Look at the stars in the sky. That's what I have. You, this barren man, will become a nation that multitudes can't count. Hallelujah. Why? Because he can do more than we can ask or imagine. Friends, I believe God wants the church to recover its faith in a God who can do more. I believe the church is struggling to really believe in a God who can do more than we can ask or imagine. Come on, let's be honest, church. We've got to enlarge our vision. We've got to hear the word of the Lord. We've got to step into what God's called us to be and to do. And so Abraham comes out. Sometimes to get a vision of what God is wanting to do, you have to come out of where you are. And God says to the people of Israel, come on, I've got an extensive territory. Can you see it? Can you see it? Can you imagine it? Can you understand it? See, God wants to do something big. He might, his thinking is not limited by the circumstances of our lives. Do you remember when Jesus wanted to feed the 5,000 men plus women? So it's probably 10,000, 15,000. 10,000, 15,000 people, women and kids. And he said, what have we got to feed them? And they said, we have nothing. So we must have something. And so here's a small boy. So Jesus goes, great, let's take his dinner off him. See, we wouldn't dream of it. We'd say, well, he'll have his sandwiches. We'll just have to make do. Jesus goes, you're willing to give your, your lunch, son? Because if you give your lunch, everything can change. And the boy goes, yes. My boys would say, Get lost. (laughs) And he handed over his sandwiches. And then Jesus, and here's the deal. He started with something small. But when you read the story, you get to the end of everybody had their fill. And what was left? Was it five loaves and two fishes? No, it was 12 basketfuls. Because he ended up with more at the end than he started with. Why? Because that's who God is. Because he does more than we can ask or imagine. Do you remember the story of the wedding in Cana when all of a sudden the wine ran out? Everything that the host had provided had gone. There was nothing left apart from five ceremonial or six ceremonial uh, water, water and things that they used to wash people's feet. And Jesus said, fill them to the top, 30 gallons each. And then he said, okay, start to take the wine out of it. 150 gallons. That's some party, isn't it? 
Why? Because all of a sudden, he could do more than the hosts could ever imagine. Something was stirring and Jesus, Jesus was going, oh, we've got no wine. Hey, no, we have. I have wine that you know nothing about. Here it comes. Bang. Why? Because God can do more than we can ask or imagine. I want to know, where's your imagination today? Where's the imagination in the church? Where's the sense of, you know, what could God do through me? Where's the sense of, you know what, with my God, I can advance against the troop. Where is it? I, friend, friends, most of us are leaving, oh, I don't want to get into it. Most of us are living mediocre Christian lives because we have no imagination about what God can do. Because we haven't got it in our spirit. And God comes to the people of Israel. He says, you know what? You've been in a wilderness for 40 years and you're coming to the edge of the Jordan. Extend your territory. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do something in front of you that you could not believe. And friends, we need to recapture the faith of what God can do in our lives. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. You see, here's the deal, friends. When you go and stand in a field in Tanzania and you pray for the sick, it's more than you can imagine. The truth is most of us are not challenging God with our Christian lives at all. Remember the story of Elisha as he came back from seeing Elijah being taken into heaven and he came to the brook and his, his mentor had gone but he came to the river again and he took the cloak of Elijah and he hit the river with it and he went, where now is the God of Elijah? And the river parted and he walked through. That's some imagination, isn't it? See, what are we doing with our Christian lives? Where's the imagination in the people of God? I think God wants to see more imagination in the church. I think he wants to see people who are like, you know what? Why couldn't God do this? Why shouldn't we ever go at it? Why can't we take a step of faith? Why can't I? And see, that's where Christian life becomes exciting. Can I tell you a secret? I've been a pastor for 26 years. I've grown up in Elam churches all my life. I think a lot of Christians are bored. And I think they're bored because they have no imagination about what God could do through them. Because we, we love it when somebody else takes a step of faith. We love someone else dreams when someone else believes God. But actually, there has to be something in us. I want to do more. I want to believe God can do more through me. Is that wrong? No, friends, it's true. Your territory will extend. Hear the word of the Lord. For some of you in here today, God wants to say to you, your territory is going to extend in the next year. I want to do something more in your life. I want to give you something that's building up within you. We need people who have imagination. We want we people who look at the desert and say, streams will flow in the desert. See, see, that's eyes of faith. That's imagination. That's what the prophet said. The desert will flow with streams and where it's dry and dusty, water will bubble up and life will come. Why? Because I see God be able to do anything. See, some of you need to walk into the atmosphere of your work tomorrow that's negative and depressed or whatever it is and say, you know what, I see that God can just change this because he's with me. See, David said, with my God, I can advance against a troop. I can scale a wall. Was he just having a moment? Or did he see something? Did he understand something? Did he understand that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind conceived what God has prepared, but the Spirit has revealed something? See, why do we need the Spirit in our lives? Is it just for a little power encounter? No, friends, it's for a revelation of what God is imagining while we're just trying to think about it. And I know that's a bit challenging, isn't it, as a Christian? Because God always enlarges things. 
One of my favorite books is a book called Multiplication by Tommy Barnett. And the tagline is, God doesn't do division. That's true in all kinds of ways. He multiplies. Oh, sometimes it looks like it. Sometimes when he's breaking the bread and when he's breaking the fish and it looks like it's nothing, it looks like, well, I don't know what we're going to do with this. But all of a sudden, we believe he's a God who does more than enough. I just want you to think today, what could God do through my life? What could God work in my life? What could God cause me to dream about that I could take hold of something for him that would change my life and lives around me because I'm carrying the presence of God in me? Some people look at bones. Other people see an army. What do you see? What do you believe in God for? What's in your heart? Some people look at rubble and see broken down walls. Other people see a city that's rebuilt. Why? Because they have a God who wants to do more than they can imagine. What's the Lord to you this morning? He wants to do more than you can imagine. Secondly, you have to prepare for what God wants to give. I love this. I love this. You have to prepare for what God wants to give. Joshua 1 and verse 2. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them. Isn't that wonderful? God wants to give you something. Hello. God wants to give you hope and a future at the very basic level. But God wants to give you something more. And somewhere along the line, we have to respond to what God wants to give. It says, get ready for what God wants to give you. You see, you have to do something to respond to the gift of God. It starts with salvation. The Bible teaches us that God has given us a free gift. But there has to be a response from us to receive the gift. There has to be, I'm going to make ready my heart for the Lord to come and inhabit it. I'm going to repent of my sin and have faith in him. I'm going to turn and follow him. It's what we do. We get ready to receive receive the gift we remind ourselves of that this Christmas time as we come round. but for us we need to recognize that where comes a moment in our lives when we have to say God has something to give what can I do to position myself to receive what God is giving how do I take hold of it remember the story of the widow <coughs> in the old testament and the uh, she came to I think it was Elijah or Elisha one of the two they both begin with E it's close enough <coughs> let's just call him Eli for short and they came, came to the prophet and said, um, prophet, my, my, my husband has died and, I'm in, and left me in debt and I have two sons who are going to get taken away into slavery. What do I do? And he says, what do you have in your house? And she says, I've got nothing. I've just got this little jar of oil. It's all I've got left in the world. He says, okay, this is what you do. Go around to your neighbors and ask for all the pots you can possibly get. And when you've got everything you can possibly get, shut the door, come in and start to pour. And then when you've got all the provision of God for your life when the miracles come then sell all the oil pay off your debt and live on what is left wow that's great provision isn't it but here's the deal friends her preparation decided how great the miracle was Every pot she carried back to her house, every errand she sent one of her sons on, go down to the end of the village and ask that woman, has she got any spare pots for us? Every time that happened, that was a confession of her faith in God to do a miraculous thing in her life. She was preparing. She was saying, you know what, God, I'm all out here. I've got nothing left, God. Either this works or we're dead. So God, I'm going to go all out. I'm sure everybody in the village was going, "That, that woman's coming again. I've already given her 15 pots and she wants another one. 
Why? Because she just knew this is my chance. This is my opportunity. I'm going to prepare for what God wants to do in my life. And every day she pours it out and she pours it out and she pours it out, this little pot, and it just keeps filling the jars. It's like the magic pudding pot, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Porridge pot. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Hey, you go with porridge, I go with pudding. It's a different thing. And all the pot just keeps falling. Bring me another pot. There's not another one. She looks around. Her house is stacked with pots of oil. And she's sitting thinking to herself, how did this come? How did this miracle come into my life? And it came because she prepared for what God wanted to do. It came because she opened her heart to receive something that he was giving. I want to suggest that we all have to prepare in three ways at least. One, we have to prepare mentally. We have to deal with our attitude about what God wants to do for us. We have to start to take hold of those thoughts that are setting us up against the knowledge of God. And we all have them. Sometimes you're going to have to say, if God wants to do this, you ever had somebody promise God wants to do this in your life? You ever had a word of prophecy from someone and you think to yourself, yeah, right. Just me, huh? Because mentally you're not in a place to receive it. See, that tells you something. You need to prepare for what God wants to do in your life. Because mentally, you've put yourself in a place of doubt and cynicism. And even when the word is spoken over your life, you can't receive it because you're in such a negative place and you're thinking, hello. You hear someone else give a testimony of God's provision and you think, it'll never happen to me. Why? Because mentally, you're not in a place where you can receive the promises of God. You have to work that out, friends. That's why the Bible says that we are transformed by the renewal of our mind. Changing your thinking is one of the most important things you can do as a believer. Can I say this? And I'm going to be misunderstood by someone. I think changing your thinking is more important than changing your behavior. Because if you change your thinking, your behavior changes. Whereas if you just try and change your behavior, you're always thinking about the things you can't do and want to do. Hello? And so somewhere along the line, you have to change your thinking. You have to say, you know, you know, Lord, I want to receive this. When some, you read a promise in the Bible and you think, oh, that can't happen to me. I've been through an experience with that. No, you've got to say, you know what? By Jesus' name, I believe God has good for me. I'm changing my thinking. I want to live in the place where God can work his life in me. I love the story of Caleb, who for 40 years walked around as the generation of the people with him died. All the 12 spies, only Joshua and Caleb entered in. So the other 10 spies who spoke negatively about going into the promised land, he buried them. Can you imagine that? And he could have been thinking, I'm missing out because of you. Because that's what we do, isn't it? You robbed me of my blessing in God. But listen, 40 years later, he says, I'm still ready to go. I'm still strong. I'm still vigorous. I'm ready to take this mountain. Come on, let me have it. Why? Because in his mind, he still believed the promises of God. He was still saying, there's more for me yet. I might be 80 years old, but there's more for me in God. I believe that God wants to extend my territory. I'm going to take it. Tell you what, friends, I'm preaching good this morning. Some of you need to confess this over your life. This, this isn't just my little word. I tell you, this is a direct word from the Lord. I tell you, church, the church needs to get expectant because our expectancy is around ourselves most of the time. You know, I tell you, friends, I see it in the church. And you know, you can get challenged over it. You can cross about it. You can do whatever you like. But most people's excitement and passion in life as believers is about themselves and not the kingdom. And God wants to change that. He wants people to get expectant about what he can do through them. Because if your own prayer list is all about you, it's the wrong prayer. Now, I'm your pastor and I love you deeply. I do. I'm still here, aren't I? 
17 years, 18 years of Christmas, come on. That's commitment, isn't it? I could have killed some of you and been out quicker. But church, I tell you now, I'm believing for greater things ahead than I've gone past. I believe that God wants to extend our territory. Isn't it amazing that all of a sudden we're having miracles happen in Tanzania? Well, you see, that's what the church is about. The church is about expansion and growth. Isn't it amazing today that in Stoke-on-Stone or somewhere over near Newcastle, there's a group of believers that have sprung up out of the ministry of our church. You don't even know them, but they're there. Isn't it amazing today that, that all over Cologne, people are meeting. God's increasing it. Why? Because we've started to say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God can do. There's more. But if we just live with the whole mentality of, well, you know, it's all right. That's the problem, isn't it, right there? We've got to change our attitude. We've got to get our mental thinking about, I've got to get preaching better. Dear dad. We've got to get our minds changed. We've got to come into a place of faith about God, what, what God wants to do. See, I love that picture of that woman carrying those pots back. I wonder how many pots you would have asked for. I wonder when it got through your three neighbours on either side, but you said, I think that's probably enough. It's true, isn't it? We have to come to that place where we say, you know what, I'm taking hold of it, God. I want faith to rise in me. I've got to work it out in me. God loves it when we think about how big and powerful he is and about how he can do far more than we can ask or imagine. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get so overwhelmed, I don't even ask for anything that I can imagine. I just kind of go about, oh, will you really just keep this going? Sometimes we get so focused on maintenance, we forget about what God wants to do. See, here's the truth, friends. You know, the Israelites are walking around the wilderness. They were in the wilderness, friends. Wilderness. They weren't living in the land of promise, but they had everything fed for them. They had food and they had clothes. And every time, and they had a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. I mean, most of us would settle for that, wouldn't we? Let's be honest. That's pretty good revelation. I don't have to worry about where I'm going to eat tomorrow. And the clothes from the kids don't seem to be wearing out. They're magically growing as they get bigger. I'll take that, Lord Jesus. That is blessing, isn't it? No, that's living in the wilderness, friends. There's still the promised land to take. There's still something to move into. There's still something to believe God for. You see, Christianity is a life of faith. And if you're just believing God for you, you've forgotten to believe God for him. And so we have to expand our horizons. We have to say, yeah, could it be that our territory will extend? Could it be that little old me, my territory will get bigger? Could it be that God wants to do something in me and through me that I've never even conceived of because he's got a bigger imagination and plan for my life than I have? Come on. i tell you what, church, it's good news. And we need to get something in our spirits, honestly. We're going to have a moment at the end of this meeting. We're going to impart something. Because God wants to set faith rife in our church today. We need to expand our vision of what God wants to do. We need to get spiritually changed. We need to begin to believe in what God can do. I love it when the spies came back. It's such an amazing story. And they spread a bad report. And Joshua and Caleb tear their clothes and come before the people and say, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Why? Because when everybody else is negative, friends, God looks for people who are positive. 
When everybody else has no faith, he looks for people who have faith. People are going to say, hey, I believe in what the Lord says. Oh yeah, there are giants to be fought. Oh yeah, there are cities to be taken. Oh yeah, there's mountains to be climbed. I know there are many rivers to cross. I know it. But with the Lord with us, we can take it. Come on, church. I've just lost it today. I'm just, I'm just fed up. We have to prepare physically. For the widow, it was jars. For Noah, it was an ark. None of us want that calling, do we? Build the ark, Noah. Really, Lord? I don't know if you've ever watched that. Uh, what is it? When the ark, Evan Almighty. It's just funny, isn't it? Just watching him build the ark. Number of times he hits his fingers. That'd be me. I'd have no fingers left. He just builds it and builds it. Why? Because he knows God said something. Why? Because he's preparing for a miracle. See, sometimes the preparation for a miracle can take your lifetime, friends. Because it says that all those who live by faith, the heroes of faith, it said many of them didn't see what was promised, but they saw it from a distance. See, if your life is the bedrock of a miracle in God's kingdom for someone else, hey, it's worth it. See, we've got to enlarge our thinking. It's not about us, it's about the kingdom. can't tell you the number of people who've been on uh, mission and uh, missionaries have gone to the field and who've laid down their lives and not seen anybody saved and yet they've prepared the generation that is to come. Why? Because they were looking at a city whose architect is God. They were seeing something bigger than that surrounded them. Joshua ordered the people, get your provisions ready. Three days now from now, you will cross the Jordan. Can I say something that's maybe going to upset people? But I'm into it now, so we'll just go with it. One of the main ways that we prepare is through prayer. How's your prayer life? I'm not talking about your prayer life for you. I'm talking about your prayer life for others. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and heal the land. How's your prayer life? If it's just focused on you, friends, it's not enough. Because the Bible says if you seek first the kingdom of God, all the things that you're worried about will happen. They'll get taken care of. Why? Because we're trusting God and saying, God, I want to seek your face. How do we prepare? We prepare spiritually in prayer. Saying, God, sometimes we prepare physically by stopping ourselves and praying. Lord, I need to seek you. We're coming into a season of prayer in the new year. Some of it will be here. But, you know, it's not about being here together. It's about, I'm going to pray and seek your face, not just for me, Lord, but for your kingdom. Because some of the stuff, some of the territory that God has for you, you'll discover in prayer. See, why are we all so desperate for a prophetic word from somebody else? We all are a bit like that, aren't we? The prophet comes. Oh, do you think you have a word for me? Does he always have the word for the person sitting beside you? I just want to say, Joe, that the Lord's going to extend your territory and bless you, that you're a giant in the faith, that God's going to provide everything for you. And, and, and you look at them and he goes, hello. <laughs> why, why is that? Because sometimes we're so desperate for a word from God, yet we won't prepare ourselves for the promise. Oh, see, we're in real territory now. 
I've sat in a few prayer meetings, joint prayer meetings in different places. And I thought to myself, the church is forgetting how to pray. If I'm honest, I have. If we haven't got a guitar, it seems as if there's no anointing. Now, I love the guitar, but friends, I tell you what, if we're sticking to just, you know, prayer meetings are turning into worship meetings. Jesus said to the disciples, could you not pray with me one hour? And you know what they did? They fell asleep. It says something, doesn't it? See, spiritual preparation. I need to finish. Next week will be fine. <laughs> Number three, God's promises have to be inhabited. The Lord says to Joshua, I'll give you every place where you set your foot. I'm promising you extension. I'm promising you promises. I'm giving you fresh opportunity. You've got to prepare for what I want to do. And then the truth is you've got to walk into it. You've got to take hold of it. There comes a point when action is needed because we are people of faith and deeds. There comes a time when you have, to, you have to say it. You have to say, no, I'm going to move in to what God has for me. I'm going to take hold of it. I'm going to cross the river. I'm going to explore the mountain. I'm going to take the city. I'm going to fight. That's how we make progress in the Christian life. We have to say, yes, I believe the promise and I've prepared myself. So now for I'm going to go. I remember being in India just a couple of years ago and we drove out to a village um, just to do a service with uh, some of the believers there. And as we came into the village, we stopped by the Hindu shrine and uh, all these colorful demon gods that were there. And we stood and we just uh, prayed for a few minutes. Because you know what? Spiritual warfare becomes a bit more real when you're standing by a, a Hindu shrine. And you think to yourself, the principalities and powers of this village don't want us to bring the light of the gospel here. You prepare yourself because you know you've got to preach today and you've got to be listening to what the Lord says and proclaiming revelation. Why? Is it because I'm any more spiritual than I was the day before? No, it's because I've put myself in a place where I need to rely on God more. And that's what happened with the people of Israel. They put themselves in a place. Their foot moved. And there came a moment when the foot of the priests, as they carried the ark, hit the water. And, and, and here's the deal, friends. The water didn't stop until they put their foot in. In that instance, they had to put their foot in and then the water said piled up somewhere else. That's weird, isn't it? Piled up by a village. Can you imagine being in the village and going, what's all that water piled up in the air? That's weird. What's going on here? And down the stream a little bit, they're walking across. Why? Because God says, listen, I have promises, but you have to inhabit them. You have to take hold of them. You have to walk in them. You have to reach out for them. You have to say, God, I'm believing you for this. I'm pressing on to take hold of it. It's not always simple. It has to be worked out. God loves movement. He loves people who step out. That's why the Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He loves that. He responds to actions of faith. More than we can imagine means we have to inhabit the promises that God gives to us. Of the story of Abraham, who when called to a place he would later receive as inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Don't you love that? He went to a place that he didn't even know he was going to get. Just went. Because he was stepping into the promises of God. I, you know, I honestly believe that as you start to listen and, and hear God, as you start to, so God's going to say to you, I want you just to do this. And every, everybody else might think you're crazy or everybody else might not get it, but that doesn't matter. What matters is it's a step of faith towards God. Listen, sometimes it'll lead to expansion. Sometimes it'll lead to problems. I've got time for my final point, which is, the Bible says no one, God says to, the, to uh, Joshua, no one will be able to stand against you all your days. But he doesn't say no one will try. 
Listen, when you step into the promises, you're going to have opposition. There's always somebody who wants to stop the work of God in you. Some of them are closer than you might think. <laughs> Let's not go there. Sometimes believers can say the meanest things that try and wither the work of God in your life. They don't mean to. They don't understand it. But they're speaking something that, that comes out of that. And all of a sudden we see that Abraham went and obeyed even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in a promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. You know, friends, sometimes we forget that. We are just pilgrims. This isn't our home. This isn't our home. Our home is with Jesus Christ. Our home is high in heaven. Our home is coming into his presence and knowing him. And it, it's countercultural. It sets us against everything that goes around us because we can't just invest in everything that's around us like it is our home. Friends, it's not. So we have to lift our hearts and our vision to the Lord. We look for a heavenly city. See, there's something to do to take hold of the promises. See, even for Abraham, this just makes me laugh, this. <laughs> Romans 4, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Without, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. I mean, that's a bit brutal, isn't it? His body's as good as dead since he was 100 years old and Sarah was 90 years old. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Here's the deal, friends, and I don't want to be inappropriate, but Abraham didn't leave it to God. He had to sow so he could reap. There came a moment when a 100-year-old looked at the 90-year-old and said, we're on. (laughs) Come on. That's what we're talking about, isn't it? Abraham got the glint in his eye and said, it's your lucky night, Sarah. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be indelicate. But friends, that's what happened. This was not an immaculate conception. This was a miracle because a 100-year-old made love to a 90-year-old and the child of promise came. See, because the promises have to be inhabited. Sometimes you have to say, you know what? I don't feel like doing the right thing, but I'm going to do it already because I believe the promise is at the end of it. And all of a sudden, the fruit of God starts to be developed in in our lives. (laughs) What are you you seeking to inhabit? What are you seeking to walk into? What, What are you believing God to do in your life? Sometimes you want the church to have all the visions so we don't have to have any. Oh, that went down well. I get sick of it, honestly. People come to me, oh, what's the next vision? And I say to them, the next vision is for you to do what the last vision was. Don't you think? We're all so, we want success, but none of us are willing to say, I want to do. I'm still hungry to go to war. I still believe that God has a promise for my life. And even though it's a 40-year delay, I'm not letting go of it. And guess what? If I go into heaven, still taking hold of it, I'm going to fulfill it in his presence. Oh, you know what? I want to listen to this sermon myself. Come on. I'll tell you, church, we need to, we need to get it. You know, this isn't just, uh, this isn't, you know, 
This is not just a normal word for the church. This is a word for you. You need to take hold of it. What am I seeking to step into that God's put in me? Because if you're not stepping into something that God's put in you, I'll tell you now, you're going to get bored with Christianity. You are. Because you've reduced it to church meetings. And they're not all as good as this. I'm thinking of last week. Listen, friends, it's not about how good the meeting is. It's about how great the promise is you're stepping into. God has a plan for your life. Will you believe him? Will you give it some faith? Will you say, God, I'm going to step into this. I'm going to cross this river. I'm going to break into it. And no one will be able to stand against me. I want to say something today just about that. Some of you are in a fight just now. Okay? You're trying to believe God for something in the future, but there's a fight going on around your life. There's all kinds of stuff that's coming against you. And the Bible says that we have to stand strong in the Lord. That's why he says three times in this first chapter, be strong and courageous because you're going to lead these people. Be strong and courageous and read it for yourself. Hold on to the words that I've said. See, because if you let go of what God says, you let go of his promise. That says, be strong and courageous. Don't be discouraged. Discouragement will kill your dream if you're not careful. And so somewhere in your life, you've got to say, you know what? I will not be discouraged by, by, because I'm stepping out in God. You see, if we saw our life as a battle footing to take hold of the promises of God, rather than being passive and saying, please, God, just bless me. Oh, amen, Dave. Great point. Because you see, somewhere in, the, somewhere in the last 30 years, we've moved into bless me mode. Bless me more. It's like, well, if he's going to bless me, he's going to bless me. Yeah, the Bible teaches us he's going to bless you, but walk in it. Pursue it. Fight for it. Take hold of it. And all of a sudden, you'll be more blessed than you've ever imagined. Because the blessing is not in passivity. The blessing is in being proactive, walking in faith. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. Why? Because you're following what God has put in you. Hallelujah. I've finished. Amen. You're all off the hook. Till next week. But I just want to challenge you this morning. Honestly, oh, if God really wants to do more than we can ask or imagine, how's your imagination? Is your imagination reserved just for you? Or is it reserved for what God might want to do through you? You need to prepare yourself for what God wants to give. Maybe you just need to change some things in your life. You need to say, you know what? My attitude sucks. I often have that talk with myself, don't you? My attitudes, I'm not in an attitude of faith here. I'm in an attitude of cynicism or disappointment or bitterness. I need to get over that because I want to be ready for whatever God wants to pour out into my life. But I know that if I don't change myself, some of you need to change your physical uh, position your physical uh, you know circumstances to just be yourself and, and say God I want to step out I'm going to do something it might be going on a mission trip it might be just do something for one of your neighbors I'm going to do something where I believe God I'm positioning myself physically even for your promise to be fulfilled in my life I'm going to try something different but you know what I just believe that God wants to enlarge his people I've been committed to that for many years my wife just looks at me despairing. I believe God wants to enlarge his people and raise their expectations of what he wants to do in our lives. Your territory will extend. I believe that for this church. 
hey, our territory's extended in the last few years. I'm in Germany next Sunday. I'm going to be preaching there this message. Come on, there's more to be done here. It's unbelievable what's happened. But there's more to be done. Because you know, God wants to bring his kingdom to pass through his people's lives as we respond to him. I want to pray this morning. I believe maybe in that. I'm just going to close. Time's gone, so we're not going to sing anything, I don't think. We're just going to respond to the Lord. I just believe there are some people here this morning. And I want to remind you that no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. The Lord is with you. You might be in a fight today, but he will bring you through. Some of you, even in terms of your vision and your imagination, it feels like your imagination and your vision for something from God has just been diminished over these last few years. I want to say to you, God wants to restore your imagination this morning about what you can do for him. If you're in a fight this morning, if you need your imagination refreshed, I just want you to stand where you are today. Come on. I'm going to pray over us. I'm going to try and release something of the Spirit of God that's in my heart today. You know, what I love about this this story is not that God is having a go at Joshua. No, he's just releasing him into destiny. He's releasing him into something bigger than he's already experienced. He's releasing him into something stronger. He's saying to him, this has been a time of preparation for you, but now you're going to step into something that's going to challenge you deeply in your faith, but it's also going to release blessing to the nation at which you're leading. And that's contextualized in our lives. It's not all about us. It's about what God wants to do through us. And so in the name of Jesus, I just pray over every person who stood this morning. It's not a right or wrong thing. It's no more keen than the other. It's just what the Spirit of God is stirring in your life. I just want to believe today for an expansion of the purposes of God in your, in your life. No weapon formed against you will prosper. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life because the Lord is with you. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous because the Lord will work it out. I don't want to release faith this morning. Imagination. Some of the most creative people I know in this room. Imagination. God wants to give you an imagination for his kingdom afresh today that you might start to see your territory will extend. God is not a God of just reducing all the time. He's a God of multiplication. I want your vision to rise up. I want your expectation to enlarge today. What could God do through me if I believe him, if I, if I prepare myself for what he wants to give into my life? So Lord God, I just release afresh your spirit, Lord, upon our lives to seal the word. Lord, it's your word this morning. It's your voice. Lord, would you seal your word in our hearts today? Lord, in every life, Lord, that that is just here this morning, would you just seal it, Father? Lord, would you stir it up, Lord, in our hearts, Lord? Would you stir it up in our minds, Lord? Would you expose, Lord, where our thinking has become, Lord, unhelpful to you, unhelpful to your kingdom? Would you challenge it and shape it, Lord? Because we do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Lord, would you change that so that we might think according to your spirit? 
Lord, would you work in our lives, Father? Lord, Spirit of God, would you go with us today and would you just remind us, Lord, of that which you want to do in us and through us? I thank you for my brothers and sisters, Lord. I thank you that we are your family here. I thank you, Lord, that today we stand on the edge of the Jordan and we look across and, Lord, we get ready, Lord, for our territory to extend. Lord, in faith we see, Lord, Lord, people being saved, lives being changed, Lord, our city being transformed, Lord, churches being planted, O oh God, Lord, nations being impacted, Lord, because we're believing you to do something out of the ordinary, Lord. Lord, beyond what we see, Lord, we see what you see. Help us, Lord, to dream your dreams. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless your church. Been great to be together this morning. Why don't you just say hi to someone? God bless you.